Like being a lawyer isn't just a job, it's a lifestyle. So you get to decide what that lifestyle looks like for you. You are more than a lawyer. You are a powerhouse. Welcome to Powerhouse Lawyers. I'm your host, Erin Gurner, a former lawyer, wife, mom, entrepreneur, and coach. And I'm here to show you what's possible. So if you're ready, let's go. Hey, powerhouses, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited that you guys are here. And today's conversation is honestly next level. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. And it resonates so much with me because it's a lot of what I share with you guys every single week, the ethos of powerhouse lawyers, which is connection and community and connecting with female lawyers and empowering them to recognize their superpowers so they can use them to practice law differently, to create a life and career that they love. That is everything that I am about. And our next guest is doing that so brilliantly. She is a baby lawyer. And I we discussed on the show that if we even need to use the word baby lawyer, but she's a young lawyer. She's only two years out of practice, but she's already completely out on her own. And just the ethos of her story of how she has literally battled every single mental demon, situational demon of things not really turning out the way she thought that she was, they were going to, but yet her still believing deep down in her dream and where she wanted to go and what she wanted her life to look like, getting clear on where she wanted to go. I think one of the things that resonated with me so much and something that's been very impactful for me over the last couple of years is this clarity of desire, of getting clear on where you are going in your life. What do you want your life to look like, feel like? What house do you want to be living in? What job do you want to have? Who do you want to be married to? How many kids do you want to have? Who are your friends? Where are they going? What is your church community? Like getting crystal clear on what you want your life to look like and then starting to reverse engineer, not only through small action steps over time, but through a mindset shift of who you need to be to be able to move in that direction. And my next guest, Kayla, is, I mean, I don't even know if she even needs an introduction, honestly, because this podcast is so next level. This is a good one, powerhouses. This is a good one. Um, If you're ready to level up and discover your superpowers and get super freaking clear on where you're going with your life, this is the podcast for you. Hey, powerhouses. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this interview. I've been wanting to interview this powerhouse. As soon as I met her and I heard her story, I like wanted to jump through the screen and be like, I want to give you a hug, a high five. Let's go have a glass of wine, like all the things you got to come on the pod and tell your story. So Welcome, Kayla Moran. She is a trademark and contract attorney for creators and entrepreneurs in the creator economy. When she set out to become a lawyer, her goal was to be in house counsel for a lifestyle company. But during law school, she discovered that she could actually combine her superpowers and her love for the law into a career 
on that was defined by her own terms. This is why I obsess with this woman's story. While attending the University of Central Florida in 2018, she started writing a blog and she started chronicling everything from her study abroad to the law school application process. And then again, when she was in law school living in um, Knoxville, she really started to understand herself and the power of trusting her intuition. And between navigating all the post-college craziness and law school, blogging became her outlet and it also became her community. So after a few years of creating content, um, for weekly blog posts from anything to productivity tips on how to navigate mental health, brands started to take notice and soon she was reviewing her own contracts. This is what's amazing for her own deals. And she also decided at that point to combine her passion for social media and legal training and build that into a career. So through community and connection, which is what we love here on Powerhouse Lawyers, Kayla built her own business, a law firm and an influencer management company. And thanks to that community she built over the years, she was able to pursue her entrepreneur journey in less than a year of leaving school. So that's pretty amazing. And now she helps influencers promote brands they believe in and helps entrepreneurs um, legally protect brands that they um, have built. So welcome to the show, Kayla. I'm so excited that you are here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So take us back to the beginning. You're a baby lawyer. I kind of hate that term. I honestly, I want to like, <laughs> I feel like we need to eliminate the thing, baby, the term baby lawyer, because honestly, maybe that's demeaning because I you're mean, such a badass. Yes, <laughs> you're not a baby. Yes. But also <laughs> no, because we are like law school and we can talk about this. Like law school does not teach you how to be a lawyer or prepare you for the practice of law. It teaches you how to think like a lawyer. So now that I'm in my second year, and even me, like I went on my own pretty quickly, but like I see my friends who are in like the traditional legal spaces and now we're all second years or third years, like the people above me. And like, we still don't know what we're doing, but now we're being tasked with bigger responsibilities. And like, we still have to ask for people that are older, like for help. So I do think like, while it, it it's not the most fun term, like the same way, like influencers, a dirty word, baby lawyers, a dirty word, but it's, it's true. Like we are babies. We don't know everything and we're not supposed to. And I kind of wish law schools like wouldn't put this messaging out that like, if you do really well in law school and get the best, like the, the right job, like your life is set. Like, no, that's just, that's literally step one. Like there's so much more that comes to like, with it later. Oh my God. That is the understatement of the century. Yeah. Like that yeah. is the absolute understatement of the century. So take us back. Why did you go to law school? What made you want to become a lawyer? Yeah. So I don't have any lawyers in my family. And like I like my I have a family friend who's a lawyer, like my mom's like boss's like son, who I ended up working for later. And that was my first job out of law school. And um, like my dad has a lot of attorney friends through his job. He works in commercial banking and like loan workouts. And so he works with a lot of bankruptcy and like real estate commercial attorneys. So I knew a lot of attorneys from that sense. And like my grandma's friends, like son was also an attorney, but like that was it. Like I didn't know anybody immediately. And I, that wasn't the plan. Like originally I, in fourth grade, I was telling my boyfriend this yesterday or two days ago, I was like, I wanted to be a meteorologist in fourth grade. And I love history and like social studies and civics. And so in like middle school and high school, taking all those classes, I thought I would like study history. And like, I kind of still wish I did. And then I was like, okay, maybe I would be a journalist and like, you know, like be in like war-torn countries or like reporting on the news or be like a publicist. Like those are the things that I thought I was going to do. So 
I, you know, I, I imagine that that's what I would study in college, but I never really thought much of it. Like I, I was, you know, first generation going to college, like my parents didn't really know what to do. So they were like, just apply and like get scholarships and like, you'll figure it out when you get there. It wasn't like I set out to be a lawyer at 17 when I was applying or 16 when I was applying to colleges, starting college at 17. It was like, I was just going to see what happens. And it wasn't until I was in AP government my senior year of high school and I we were studying like the constitution and the laws, like the amendments and going through case law. And I was like, oh, like I really enjoy this because it's based in history. And this is like really interesting to me. And my family and I ended up going to DC on like our winter vacation that year. And I came back and I was like, I had fallen in love with DC. And so I was telling my teacher and like now he's one of my friends, but I was telling my teacher how I love DC. I was like, I want to live here. I want to work here. Like, he's like, okay, what do you want to do? Like, I think you might like be good at this. Like maybe you can be a lobbyist. You could be a lawyer. Like there's so many things you could do in DC. Like what interests you? Like, let's like talk about that since now you're applying to colleges or I had just applied and I was like waiting to hear back. And so that was kind of it. He was the one that put the idea in my head. And when I came home from school, I told my parents that my dad was like, all right, cool. Like I'm going to start taking you to events like with attorneys, like happy hours and networking events. So when I was home from college, like my internships, I worked at a loan department at the bank when my dad worked in a different office. I worked at a project management company. I worked at a like private equity company. I interned with people who worked with attorneys, not necessarily attorneys. I also worked with attorneys in college because I went in poli sci and I changed to legal studies and poli sci minor. Again, I wish I would have done like ad PR or communications or something a little bit broader. Now knowing that you could go to law school with any degree, but like I had the idea that I was probably going to be a lobbyist. So I was like, poli sci, like I need to know politics. And I enjoyed politics. I worked on campaigns and I volunteered for a senator like on a campaign trail. And then I worked as an intern in the Orlando office where I went to college. And that was it. Like I kind of just like one thing led to another. And I was like, I think I'm going to go to law school, but it wasn't this like, I'm going to go to law school and beat this. And I think that's the most important thing is I don't think people succeed when they're like, my whole goal is to go to law school and become a lawyer. It's like, okay, what's next? Like, what are you going to do with that law degree? I knew what I wanted to do. It's not what I do now, but like, I had this like vision of like, I'm going to do be in DC and be a lobbyist. And so then as I started getting more involved in like what that looked like, and I knew like I had worked in politics now for like a year and a half, like during Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Maria, I was the only Spanish speaking intern in the Orlando office. I got tasked with a lot of like calls with to constituents and like dealing with people and like speaking Spanish because like, like nobody else could. And I was very overwhelmed. I was like, I don't want this life. This isn't for me. So I was like, I don't think maybe politics is like the route, but like, what else can I do? And I was taking a class. I don't remember what class. And we learned about trademarks and patents. And that was like the, the very early, early introduction of like Coca-Cola, trade dress, the bottle, the recipe, like how it's secretive, all this stuff. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. But I, again, didn't think anything of it, but I remember thinking, I'm going to be a lawyer for a lifestyle company. That's why I was like, oh, I could be a lawyer for like Coca-Cola or Target or Walmart or like these big brands and companies that have a lot of, they do a lot of different things. So like, I won't be tied to just, I didn't want to be a courtroom lawyer. I didn't want to do the same thing every day. I want to do something different and like work with a company that allowed me to do a lot of different things. So that's kind of where like, not entrepreneurship, but like kind of like variety of things like that idea came. And it was just that like trial and error internships, talking to people. I love to network. I can talk to a wall. And my dad always like said, anytime I would walk into these rooms with these attorneys or these businessmen or these people, and they were primarily men. Luckily in Miami, a lot of them were Hispanic, but primarily men. And 
I could talk to anybody and I could charm the pants off of anybody because I just was like that. I could do that. And he was, that's your personal brand, the way you carry yourself, the way you introduce yourself. I always go by my full name, Kayla Moran, like nice to meet you. People knew who I was and like, oh, are you Louis Moran's daughter? Like they, they knew like in Miami, in the banking world, especially like the banking world is small. My dad's worked at many banks for 30 years. Like they know him. So like they started knowing who I was and yeah, that's kind of where it started. And I ended up in Tennessee thinking, okay, it's going to get me a little closer to DC or like Charlotte banking world, Nashville. Like I thought I wanted to like leave Florida and like, I was like, I'll eventually raise a family here, but like, let me like go away for a few more years. They ended up giving me the most money. That's how I ended up there. And it ended up being the best thing that ever happened. But yeah, I had no idea that I was going to be a lawyer or wanted to go to law school. I was like, that wasn't the plan. But I love that you highlight taking all of these different avenues and trying all of these different things and asking so many questions, because that is what I did not do. (laughs) That's a one out of 10 recommend. But when I talk to people now in hindsight, and they say to me, you know, should I go to law school? Or, you know, I've got a child who's thinking about going to law school. You know, what, what conversations do I need to be having? And I'm like, you need to be in rooms and around the lawyer and around lawyers and asking as many questions as you can. Like you said, b- having jobs in the periphery of lawyers, either maybe that's interning in a law firm, whatever it is, you at least need to know and have some gauge on the profession in which you are now about to dip your toe in and commit your life to. Because Speaking from myself, I did not do my homework and I ended up in a world of hurt and, you know, angst and not really knowing what direction I was going. And I wish that I had had more conversations and asked more questions. So that's always why that's my advice. And I all, what I also hear from you saying that is by you doing that, that revealed your superpowers to you. Yeah. And that revealed what you were really, really good at and what you could harness in your professional life and in your personal life to get to where you wanted to go. 100%. I always actually was having a mentorship call yesterday with she's a junior in college and she's a paralegal and she's like, do I do the periphery like legal route or do I go to law school? And I was like, what do you, what's your, what's your goal? Like I, the old asking questions, like what you just said, that it, it is a superpower in and of itself. The ability, the curiosity, the ability to be curious and ask questions if you are thinking about something and you can't Google it. Like Google takes you so far. I'll get to that in a second when you're like, why did you start a blog? But like ask questions, like find the people who are doing what you want to do or you think you want to do and find out what it really looks like. Is that something that you want? Look at the higher ups. Is that the lifestyle you want for yourself? And I started seeing being in those rooms, the rooms where it happens, like you see what that looks like. And I was like, that works for me. That doesn't this, that, whatever. And so, yeah, that was a superpower of mine. And the other one is connection and networking. And I keep seeing a lot of people say they hate networking. And I'm like, I think I'm like the weird one that like loves networking. I genuinely like get joy out of it. And don't get me wrong. I'm an extroverted introvert. There are times where like, do not talk to me. Don't think about me. Do not look at me. I'm locking myself in my room or my house. Like I'm done. But I genuinely love learning about people. And then I'm the yesterday. Perfect example. I was talking to someone, she works at UBS and I'm friends with the director of the ESOL program at UM Law. And I was like, I'm going to connect you guys. I hopped in a LinkedIn message and I said, hi, so-and-so meet so-and-so. Hope you guys talk. Happy holidays. I love doing stuff like that. And that's my other strength that I got really good at as a kid because my parents fostered that in me. And that's something that I try to foster in the people around me to help them get there. Like 
if you don't know where to start, ask questions and find the people who do know and that are going to help you get there. And like, yeah, those are my superpowers. And it's part of what I do today. And and that what and that is what makes you so good at it. And that's what has enabled you to go out on your own a year after leaving law school yeah. and you have built this foundation. So talk, I mean, I seriously, you're this is like music to my ears because this is the hill. We can both go die on this hill, Kayla, because yeah. this is the hill too. Like I am absolutely a people person and I feel the same way. Like, yes, I'm not on all the time, right? Like I hear people say they ha- hate networking too, but I think that we are looking at networking in the exact wrong way. People are looking at networking at an event and saying, okay, what can I get out of this? Yes. What can I get out of this? I have so much to say about this. This could be a podcast in of itself. So, okay. You said like, I'm a people person. I, well, my boyfriend and I were talking about this last night. I say that I don't like people and that I'm not a people person. And he's like, yeah, you are. You can talk to anybody. I was like, no, I'm not. I don't like people. I really don't. But what it is, is I am interested in what people have to say and like the sociology of it. And like, that's why like it's an experiment for me. I also treated dating like networking. I would go on a day and be like, if it doesn't work out, he's in my network. I can get something out of this later. Like, cool. But I don't say that to him. I just like keep that in the back of my head of like, I'll remember like, he's like whatever he does or like where he's from. And like, it'll come up somehow later on in life. And that's also a very Miami thing, like six degrees of separation. Like everyone knows everybody, like it's all who you know. And like, that's how Miami runs, but that's how the world runs. But it's just like, I, I like people in the sense of, I like curiosity again. Like I like learning about people, what makes them tick, but I don't necessarily like being around. I have to be in the mood to be around people. So again, some days I am very social and talkative and want to talk to everybody. Other days I'm like, don't talk to me. And I don't go out on those days. Like I like, I'm like, all right, cool. Like we're not, not social today. But there's days where I want to talk to everybody and anybody. And I'm like, give me more, like bring it out. And like, I love reading personal statements for people wanting to go to college or law school. I'm like, I want more of your story. Give me more. Like, I'm like asking questions. I'm like pointing, like, like, like I'm like digging in. I'm like, where can you dig deeper? Like, I want to know more about your story. Cause that's what you're, I'm trying to, yeah, I guess I'm trying to find people's superpowers. Like, let's find that strength, find that weakness. And like, let's see what we can do with that. Exactly. Exactly. And networking doesn't have to be a painful process. Like you said, it's literally, it's just to get to know you. If you just take all of the what's in it for me out of it and just go in there and be like, I'm putting myself here and I am just here to offer value. Like how can I impact one person in this room? Yeah. That takes all the pain out of networking. I mean, it really does. I think of it as like the analogy of like, you know, when people say like, when people, when girls go on a date, they're like, oh, I met my future husband. Like, does he like me? Like, what's my, what? they're already thinking like wedding bells, like on the first date. And it's like, no, the first question you have to ask is, do I like them? Same thing with networking. Like you not only want to be interested in them, you want them to be interesting to you and you to be interesting to them. So that's how I think of networking. It's like, I want to learn about them. Are they even interesting? Like, do I want to get to know them more? Are they going to benefit me in some way? in the future. Cool. So like, let me find out as much about them as I can right now. I'm not going to go up to somebody like, hi, I'm Kayla Moran. I see you work at so-and-so and and I want to do that. Like, how do I get there? That is not the first thing you say. That comes like the second or third time you speak to them. Or if they ask you, how can I benefit you? How can I help you? How can I be a resource to you? When they ask you that question, then you say, I'm looking for an internship or wherever or whatever. That's when you say what you are looking for and why you approach them. But at the beginning, you need to get to know them. And I always say like every quarter, every six months, 
happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy birthday. What like I saw your wife gave birth. I saw you went on a vacation to Aruba. Like ask them, get interested in their lives. That way they will also be interested in yours. You build a professional friendship, a strategic partnership. They're a lot more willing to help you and remember you when there's an opening or like their friend is like, Hey, I'm looking for interns. They're like, Oh, I remember Kayla. Like, let me connect you guys versus like, hi, I'm Kayla. I want this from you. It's like, everybody asks them for something. Be different. God, Lee, amen. Like, amen. Can we need to like put that on a freaking like billboard? Yeah. Yes. On a <laughs> billboard. Okay. I want to take it back for a minute because I love that you are a community builder and a connector. And I truly, obviously that is believe, and that's obvious in what has happened now that that has built your business. So I'd love for you to take it back to the beginning of this blog that you started and why and how that has helped you really, truly connect with your audience in a different way that it has allowed you to build your business to where it is now. Yeah. So I will caveat all of this to say, I don't have a big following and you don't need a big following. I have less than 5,000 followers on Instagram. I have less than 2,000 followers on TikTok. I don't have a lot of followers. I don't get a lot of views. That's not the point here. Again, it's about who you know and leveraging those strategic partnerships. But I started a blog simply because I vividly remember I was in contracts class in college. I was a junior in college. It was 2018, January. So like literally like what, five, six years ago. And I... I had just turned 20. My birthday is in November, so it's January. I had literally just turned 22 months ago. And my dad sends me a Business Insider article. And by the way, my dad and I communicate via LinkedIn and like email. And it's like Business Insider and Bloomberg all day long. I'm like, and he listens to Bloomberg at lunch and like makes me listen. I'm like, can we watch something fun? Like, this is not fun for me. Bloomberg's <laughs> interface stresses me the hell out. I digress. So he says, It's your love language. It's his love language. <laughs> it I love that. It is. It's all work all the time. So he sends me this Business Insider article and it's 10 things to do before you turn 30. And I was like, homeboy, I just turned 20. Relax. And number two, he was like, well, look at number two. And I was like, okay. So I'm in class and I look at it and it's start a blog. It's like start a personal blog, start a personal brand is essentially what it like the, like the, the caption was like under the heading. And again, going back to like, as a kid, he always told me to build my personal brand, that my name, like my the way I present myself. I was a dancer, my posture. How do you think he knew to do that, Kayla? Like, let's I like I'm interrupting you no, right no. here because I think that that's such an a person. Like, I you keep hitting on that, and I feel like I just want to bring that out for our listeners. Why? Because he did. He shaped you in this way to always know that you needed to build a personal brand. Why do you think he was adamant about that? I think because he saw that other people higher up than him were doing that. And that was their success strategy. And I think he wanted that for himself. And since he was kind of missed the boat on that as a younger person, because he didn't know any better, he was like, I'm going to teach you guys to do that. Like me and my brother. So yeah, that's really powerful. I mean, that's really powerful that he was really like encouraging you to do that, especially, you know, at the very beginning. I mean, you hadn't even decided what you were going to do when you grew no, up yet. You no, know? I, I was literally 20. This was six years yeah. ago. This is six years ago. I'm 26. There you go. That's the, the number. I was six, it was six years ago. And yeah, so it was to start a blog. And I was like, yeah, okay. I don't really like, sure, whatever. And he was like, I mean, like people always ask you like, how you do your hair, where you shop, like all these things, like why not talk about that? And I was like, 
I don't like have time. Like I'm going to start studying for the LSAT this summer and I'm going to, I want to study abroad. I'm applying for study abroad. And like all the, like I had all these excuses and he was like, just do it. Like, why not? Like, it doesn't have to be anything. Like, this is for fun. Like, you, you're not dancing anymore. Like, I was a dancer my entire life. I also wasn't dancing anymore in college. And I, I, there was a void. I had time. And I missed it. And, like, I was looking for, like, something to do, like, as a hobby. And it's also something I could put on my resume as an extracurricular. And, like, who knows where it could lead. So he was onto something. So I did. I started a blog when I found out that I was going to be studying abroad in England. And then I was, like, I had planned for three weeks after – like I was in my study abroad program was two weeks and I stayed for a week. So for three weeks I was in Europe and I like for a week, I like did three other countries with a friend on my own. So I was like, I can like make a whole, like, how did I pack for study abroad? Where did I go? Like, where did I stay? Like I can like make it like a personal blog with like, I love to travel. So like I can, like, I like had this whole like vision in my head. So I did it, started blogging and it just kind of became, like I said, my outlet of like sharing anecdotes about my life. Social media at this time, like Instagram came out when I was a junior in high school. I'm a junior in college. So it's been four years. Instagram was still like posting funny, dumb pictures with your friends. Like it was not what it is now. I mean, it's 2018. It was starting to be that, but like it's still, for the most part, people weren't posting like to like people they didn't know. So my blog was kind of what I now treat my Instagram as of like sharing my life. And I would blog, I post like once a week, a weekly update post, and all this stuff. And it wasn't until a year later, I was, I had graduated from college. I had done the study abroad thing and I was applying to law schools and I was working at a law firm downtown. I was doing the commuter thing, like what Miami adults do every day. They commute to downtown or Brickle on the Metro rail and like work a nine to six and you know, the whole, the whole night I was like living like my, I treated it like my like sex in the city, like living in New York, like commuting downtown moment, getting all dressed up for work. And like, I was a big girl and I was like blogging about my weekly life, like doing that, what I was doing on the weekends. I was going to the Miami open with my parents. I was going to the keys. I was going to the beach. I was going to Bimini. I was doing all these things. And so like, I was like living my best life and I was sharing that. And, but I also shared, like, I started getting all my admissions like offers back. And I was comparing them. Like, how do I pick a law school? Why am I going to law school? Like those are blog posts I did. And I kept that going in law school. Cause I like, again, like going back to the whole Google thing, I was like, what do I wear to law school? Or like what to expect? I was Googling all yes. questions and nothing was coming up. And I was like, I cannot be the only one asking these things. So I'm going to answer them from my perspective. So the next person after me has that resource. And because I saw there was law school bloggers at the time, I will say there was a handful, but they didn't show their face. They didn't show their name. They didn't know. You don't know where they went to school. You didn't know anything about them. And it felt very like pushy and almost elitist, very law school. And like they were presenting this one way. And I was like, I want it to be the related. And like, I want you to know who I am and where I go. Obviously, safety reasons. I didn't share a lot of things, but I shared like where I went to school. And, you know, I didn't share my apartment, but I shared how I found an apartment and like whatever. So little things like that. And I started sharing like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm really struggling. Like my mental health is failing. And like, I failed my midterms and like, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this. And like, I don't know if I want to stay and like, I might transfer home and like all this stuff. And then COVID happened seven months into law school. And I got my wish of like, I get to come home. And so I was like, okay, I'll stay in law school for a little while longer. I'll finish the year out and see what happens since now I'm home. And like, I had more time 
you know, Zoom School of Law, my mom was like, you should share your post. Like every time you make a new blog post, put it on your Instagram because people aren't going to see it if they don't know about it. So I did. And I was like, that was scary. But I was like, you know what? If you don't like me, whatever. Like, I don't really care. So I posted it. I didn't really think too much about like, oh, people aren't going to like me. Not like, didn't matter to me. So I posted it and I would start doing that. I would start like every time I would make a blog post, I would post it on my feed or like put on, make a post like the same picture on my feed of like new blog post at kaylamaranblog.com. Like go check it out, whatever. We didn't have like, like link stories yet. That was only if you had 10K followers at the time. Like I couldn't link it, but I was telling you like where to go. Again, don't know if people read it, not the point. The point was I was putting it out there. And then we went back to school in the summer, in the fall and I, my mental health was shit. This was three years ago. I was miserable. I was so unhappy. I didn't want to be in Tennessee. I wanted to be back home. And I was like, I can't transfer to UM or FIU. I don't have the grades, but like, I know that there's a bigger, like with how distraught and like down in the dumps I was like, shit was bad. Like it was maybe the worst time in my life. And my mental health was failing. My physical health was failing. Like I now I'm off birth control, but like I had to get off of it because it was making me sick. And like, I didn't know that it was that at the time my thyroid was out. It was all these things plus school, plus like relationship stuff, like boys, friends, like whatever. Everything was just bad that summer or that fall. It was fall 2020. I mean, it was a rough year for everybody, but like, it was really rough for me personally, plus school too. Like there was just so much. And I remember thinking like, I'm a cockroach. I'm resilient. Like why I'm still here for a reason Everything that has happened up until now, there's like, it it could have broken me a long time ago. I had a really toxic relationship at the end of college. I had a stalker. Like I, I could have let that define me and kill, kill me, like bring me down. And I didn't, there was a reason why I overcame that. There's a reason why I'm still here. So I'm not, if I could survive that bullshit, like I'll be fine. So I like picked myself up and I said, I'm, I have a purpose. There's a reason I'm still here. What is that purpose? And that's where I started asking myself all the questions that I ask people now. I was 23 and I, you know, so I was like, I mean, some people do this now a lot older, like you did this a lot older and I still- Yes, I, and I highly recommend doing it now. I you're young. I feel like- you're young, young age. I would much <laughs> rather have done this at 23 than 43. I'll just state but that for, for the record. For me, I feel like, damn, I wish I would have done it sooner too. Like I could have changed so much. I could have missed out on like, so much heartbreak, not just relationship, like personally, if I would have done it sooner, but I didn't know to. So that's why I like tell people like, you're in college, like this is the best time or you're going to law school, like do it before. Have the habits now. But so basically I started asking, I was like, where do I want my life to look like in 10 years? How do I want it to feel? Like in, I visualized my life, like in 10 years at 33, which is now seven years from there now, but at 33, where do, where am I living? Am I married? Who am I married to? What does he do? Like, do I have kids? What school do they go to? What do their hobbies do? Where do I vacation? What does my house look like? What does my career look like? Where am I spending my weekends? What am I like? I I like, I got really, really clear on big picture. What did I want my life to look and feel like? And then I was like, all right, I'm going to reverse engineer my life. How am I going to get there from where I'm at right now? Literally rock bottom. And I didn't have a support system either. Like I, my family, yes. And I had a couple like key friends, but in reality, and I was going to therapy at the time, but in reality, it was all me. It was, I wanted it badly enough. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to keep playing the victim and pitying myself and like literally always being miserable. And like, I just, I was tired of my own shit basically. And I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And 
yeah, so that semester I started doing that work. And my job with everything else, doing that is really fucking hard and emotional and scary. Yep. I was crying myself to sleep every night and I was so unhappy. But I didn't have the grades for the clinic program that I wanted to go to join. That's the reason I picked that school was for that clinic and this professor in particular. And he had met me a year prior at a volunteer event. And he, I guess he liked me. I really didn't know him that well. I guess he liked me. So he accepted me into the clinic. And he asked me a question, January, 2021, that changed my life. And it said, what kind of lawyer do you want to be? What kind of clients do you want to have? And nobody had really like at that point in law school and nowhere in law school, does anybody ask you, why are you here? You have to have that for you and ask if you're driving force, but no one really asks you. There's like this pre-described path and like you're supposed to follow it and like get the job and like your life is set forever and it's like magical. And like that, what I knew that I saw the writing on the wall. I knew that the path that everybody else was on wasn't for me. So for someone to ask me that question, who can make an impact on my life and my career to ask me, I was like, oh, like this person's going to be special. And he is, I texted him yesterday actually, or Monday. And I, I remember being like, hear me out. I have this really crazy idea. I'm starting to get brand partnerships, like contracts, and I'm reviewing these things. And I know what these clauses mean because I took contract law and I'm in law school. The average influencer doesn't know what these things mean. So what if I was a lawyer for like influencers and content creators and entrepreneurs in the creator economy? Because I think that it's going to blow up. Mind you, this is 2021. It was already starting to blow up. We started seeing, hearing that like in a year, it'll be a trillion dollar industry. Now it's like $43 trillion. Like, I don't know. It's like crazy. And he was like, no, I don't think that's a crazy at all. At all, like I think you're on something. And mind you, this man's like in his mid forties. Looks like the professor from House uh, from uh, Money Heist. That's what he was. <laughs> I, I, I tell him that, and he's like, "I hate you," but like, fine. Um, he did the big law thing, and he was like, "I was a cog in the machine, and I hated it." So I became a professor, and he's a clinician. He's a clinic teacher. Um, and he genuinely cares about his students and like the people in his life. Cause that was really the only option, like for that generation, if you wanted to get out of big law, like you had to go teach or do something, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's, it was very limited. Yeah. So for him to like, no, you're not crazy. Like I'm going to help you get there. Let me see what I can do. I'm going to still give you some like regular work. So I had to do like a 501c3 merger, like asset sale purchase, like deciding I had to present to the board of directors of a 501c3 which, whether it was to be an asset purchase or a merger, like which which one was going to be a better like structure, like for them, like with their parent company and the subsidiary, like I do all that. But he's like, I'll give you a fun project too. That's like a little bit more tied to what you want to do. And I was like, all right, cool. Didn't think anything of it. I was like, at least I put it out there. Like I'm not holding this in anymore. Like maybe like now saying it into the universe, like maybe it'll work. I don't really know. He, I remember one day he comes, he like calls me in and we had like our weekly meeting and he was like, do you know what the USPTO is? Do you know what a trademark is? I was like, no, mind you, I had like heard about it years ago, but like the Coca-Cola thing, but like mostly patents, like Coca-Cola, you think patents, like trade secret, trade dress, trade secrets, like patent formula, like the bottle cap, the bottle shape, the, everything. So I didn't really know. And I was like, no, not really. And he was like, do you want to learn? I was like, sure. Like if you're presenting it to me like this, like I know you're on, you, you have, like you have something in your head. So I'm like, I'll let you, you're willing to take me for the ride. Like I'm going to believe in you and like, I'm going to trust you. And he found me a client who was a mom influencer 
she like was like doing a course on YouTube, like get your body back after baby. And like, you had to be a part of her membership to get access to these videos on YouTube. Like you had to pay, she had a website and she had self-registered or applied for a trademark for mompreneur, but she got a specimen refusal. And so I was going to help her do that. And that was the first time I had ever worked on anything with the trademark. And I was like, okay, like I like this. Like, I think this could be really cool. But again, that was it. Like that was like all that I did. And so at that point I was like, okay, like what if I like did both contract side and the trademark side? He was like, okay, you know, you have to write a paper in order to graduate. Why don't we write your paper on like something related to like social media law and like the creator economy. And it had to be an academic paper and I had to present the proposal to the school and like all this stuff. So, like I had to like do all this research of like books and like sources. Mind you, there was no sources. So like I was pulling from God knows where and <laughs> the Dean of academics who had to approve it and I did not like each other. And like her and I had already had beef for other reasons. So I was like kind of scared to present it, but like she didn't fight me on it. She was like, just go. And I was like, I, I don't know if she's just like going to be, give me a nice one today, but like, cool, take it and run. And my paper obviously wasn't an academic paper because there was no sources. So he like, it wasn't even the length requirement. He let me slide. He gave me a pass because it was a pass fail paper. He let me pass, even though like it wasn't what it was supposed to be, but it ended up being how, why lawyers are needed in the creator economy. And he was like, if you can get this published, that will help your credibility. And I was like, well, I can't get it published in a law review article because it's not an academic paper, but I can get it uh, published in a practitioner's journal. And I knew all the people at the Knoxville Bar Association's Diverse Barristers Committee because I was on the committee because there's not a whole lot of diverse attorneys or law students in Knoxville. And through the KBA, they have a Diverse Barristers Committee mentorship program. So a DA at the Knoxville County, like the Knox County DA, one of them was my mentor. I, my mentor was on the dean of the other law school in town, which by the way, I'm emailing right now to like catch up with in January. And like, I knew like people and like the executive director of the KBA, she's now retired, but like the previous one, she, I emailed her and I was like, Hey, Marsha, like, what is it? How do I get published in the dicta, like the journal? And she was like, actually, we are like looking for submissions for this. Like every month we have like different columns. Like we're looking for people like in the community to could be law students, could be lawyers, could be whoever. And I was like, all right, like send me the form. Like, what do I got to do? And she's like, here you go. So I got two pieces published, May and June. I got of after I'd already graduated, actually. So this was a year later, like a year. So I, the idea started in the summer of 2021 and I got published summer of 2022. So I wrote my paper in, I, I submitted it on January or like December or January, like going into 2022, got a pass, even though it was definitely not, I don't, I'm not gonna say it wasn't good, but it wasn't what it was supposed to be. It was supposed well, to be. Well, but it was obviously, it was good. Even though it wasn't what it was supposed to be, they knew that you were onto something. Like yeah. that again yeah. is just little evidence from the universe that you were on the right track. Yeah. It was supposed to be a 30 page paper. Mine was like 17 pages. <laughs> like it was not, but they published excerpts of it and it was how lawyers are needed in the creator economy and like my like profile, like my profile up until that point was the other piece that they, the KBA published, even though I wasn't even going to be practicing in Knoxville and they knew that. And whatever. So yeah, that's kind of where that started. And so because I was like, all right, people do believe in me and like, I'm not crazy. I started looking for people on social media because I knew it was going to be on social media where I found them that are doing what I'm doing or like somewhere in that realm of possibility. And so that's where I started connecting with people who were doing it or leaving. And they were all like, 
the majority of them were two to three years out minimum. A lot of them were married or in long-term relationships and they had financial background, like backing, whether it was a spouse or like a law firm. And they were able to slowly start building their own thing, but they had money somehow to help them do it and to get started. They had a safety net. That wasn't my reality. I knew that I wasn't going to go to a firm and have a safety net. And I was very, very single. And like my safety net was my parents. I could live at home and I do. But like I had the emotional support, but I didn't have the financial support. And like they're two very different things. And so I was like, I don't, I can't do what you guys are doing. But they were all telling me to go do with that. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And up until literally October of 2022, I said, I can't do it. And everybody, I had graduated. I had passed the bar, which by the way, I manifested passing the bar exam because my mental health was shit. But like, I just set out that I was going to do it one and done. And I did it. And I didn't really care how it happened. It just happened. And I, and like, I mentor people and like counsel people on passing the bar exam. And like, that's a whole nother thing. But I, I just kept saying I couldn't. And I realized I was the only one that was holding myself back. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, I have the roadmap of all these women who are doing, and I may not have what they have, but that doesn't mean that it can't happen for me because I am a connector and I can, I can fake it till I make it. I can make it work. And so I worked part-time as a personal injury attorney when I graduated from law school with my family friend doing personal injury and I fucking hated it. And he knew it. And I told him, and I told my parents, I told everybody who would listen to me, I was like, I'm going to give him a year. I started at the end of September. So I was like, I'm going to give him till the end of August. Like we're on paper. It looks like a year, but like literally like 11 months. And I was like, I'm going to give him a year. The end of August, if I hate this, I'm leaving. And he can't hold, like there's nothing he can do or say to keep me. If I like it, I come on full time, full salary, benefits, whole nine. And I'm going to be paid more than like what he's offering to a first year. Because at that point, I will not only be a second year, but I will have been here part-time putting in blood, sweat, and tears, and literal blood, sweat, and tears, um, because I was so unhappy. And I I remember in March, I will never forget this. I had a friend who was like, he was also miserable at work, and he worked in big law. And we were both just always complaining about how miserable he was, and he was like, but you have something like that you could call your own. Like, you don't have to stick it like I do. Like, do your own thing, which mind you, he doesn't have to stick it out. But like, again, big law is a whole nother ballgame. And he's working on changing jobs and like figuring that out for himself, which I'm happy. But he was like, you don't have to stay here. Like say you want you say you're done. Like you don't have to give it a year if you can. And I was like, no, but I don't have anything yet tangible to like. So I had started my firm officially in November, November 4th. I launched in January. I got my first client, signed my first client in February because they found me in January, which is why I launched publicly when I did. I wasn't ready yet. And my dad's bank has a law firm banking department. And obviously my bank, my firm is very, very small numbers wise for them to do it. But the guy's a friend of my dad. So as a personal favor to my dad is my banker and did my accounting, my trust account and all of that for me. And I launched without really being ready. And in March, I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I told my boss, like, I will give you till the last day of August, which was Friday was September 1st was a Friday. So technically it was September 1st was my last day, but I was like, I'll give you to the end of August. But like, I already know I'm not staying. And he was like, okay, fine. Like, I won't I won't give you any more new work, but finish out, settle as many cases as you can here and like get me as close to trial ready as possible for the other cases that we know aren't going to settle. And I did. I settled five out of seven cases. And in my one year there, part-time. And I, you know, 
I trained a, a lot, an associate who ended up also leaving that firm and now works somewhere else and is much happier. And that's another story entirely. But it wasn't really until August of this year where I went to New York for the Level Up Legal Conference that I met some of my mentors in person, finally. And I saw all these different avenues and roadmaps and people doing what I wanted to do a few years out from me, but actually like not just seeing them do it on social media, but actually meeting them in person and hearing their stories in a new way and like going to lunch and dinner and coffee. Like you have what it takes. Like I believe in you, like you just have to believe in yourself. And so I came back from New York. That was August like 12, 11th through 12th, that that was the conference. Two weeks later, I quit essentially. And I went on my own full time and it was the highest earning month that I had had ever that August. So, and September got more and then October, November have slowed down a lot with everything going on. So now I'm kind of in that crossroads of like imposter syndrome. Like, is this really working? But like deep down, I know that it is. And I also have hired assistants now and I have a roadmap and an expansion plan. And like, I went back to my law school and I talked to that professor, Eric, who he's like, what, what's going on? What's the plan? What's goal? And he gave me the greatest compliment. I cried when he told me this and he like, didn't know what to do with me. He was like, you've cried way too much to be like, I don't do good with this. Like, can we, can we not? And I was like, don't I know, nice men can't handle it. They're like, no, 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 like, no, no. Don't, don't cry nice to me. No, 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 no. Stop doing that. Like they get all bent out of shape. It's very funny. It's hilarious. <laughs> he was like, in the 14 years I've been teaching, I have never met a student like you. And now my goal is to like, it's not going to come close, but, like to find another student that like, that has what you have. And I want to introduce you to them. And I was like, please do. Like, I have never met people like me until this year. And it's funny, like, it's the people that I'm the hardest on because I see the most potential and I see them the most like me that I'm the hardest on. I don't, I don't sugarcoat. I don't BS. I'm a tough love girl because my parents were tough with me. They gave me everything I needed but if I wanted something, I had to earn it. I had to work for it. And they don't give out hugs and praise easy. And I always remember being like, can you just say you're proud of me? And they're like, we are. We don't have to tell you that. I'm like, you don't have to, but I want you to. I need you to. I just occasionally. You tell me you're proud of me. <laughs> like I can, I can give myself a pat on back at any point in time, but it doesn't mean as much. And it's like, I really struggle with that self-love and self-confidence and self-worth and believing I deserve it. And that's something that like my, again, my mindset shift has really been this year was letting go of the past, being more intentional, being present. And I'm now the happiest I've ever been, even though my business isn't really where I wish it would be, but I know that I have the potential to really get it where I want to be because it has changed so much from when I envisioned it even a year ago. And if you would have asked me three years ago at 23, I never thought I would be here. I didn't even think I would be here at all. So the fact that this is my life now and I'm meeting people who get it and I've connected with people in a deeper way in the last two months than I ever have in my entire life. I'm like, okay, like it's working. It's going to be okay. And I think that um, that's the thing about entrepreneurship, right? Like you believe it so deep down in your soul. And even when you're taking losses and you're hearing no and you're in debt and you don't know what the hell you're doing, you're still like, I'm on this great ride. Like it's like a special type of lunacy, Yeah, but it's the best, <laughs> it's the best type. And I also just want to commend you and just highlight to you that when you know, when you level up, when you go to where God is calling you to be and you're obedient to that, it's 
painful and it's hard. And you also have to level up mentally and heal those past versions of ourselves. But you're doing the work. You know what I mean? You're doing the work. You're showing up every single day. And that's what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. That's why you're still here. And that's why you are going to continue to build in community and connection and then mentor the people behind you too is what is so what is so beautiful to me. And I am just so proud to know you. And I just think that you're such an asset to the young legal community and people and women just need to hear your voice, that they're worthy of utilizing their superpowers to create a life and career that they love. Yeah. Thank you. I So like two things there. So if people keep telling you no, two things. One, it's a redirection. It's not meant for you. It's okay. Just keep it moving. Try again, figure it out, pivot. It's always okay to pivot. It's not a failure. If you fail, like it's just, you start over, you try again, you try something new and you learn from everything that came behind you. And like that job that I hated, that boss that I, he's a family friend. He will always be my family friend, but like, we just were not good boss employee relationship. Like I learned who I, what type of boss I don't want to be and what kind of business I don't want to run. And I learned a lot from not only as a lawyer, but also as a person and how to manage clients and manage a business and like a whole lot of things. So you learn from every opportunity, good, bad, or ugly. The other thing is, so I remember that January, that same, so that in February, that same year, 2021, right after every, like when I was like kind of starting to now get out of like the darkest time of my life, my roommate and I at that time had a massive blowout fight. She moved out. I had a nervous breakdown. It was like really like, it was bad. And I remember Eric, that professor looked at me, which funny enough, the teacher in high school that my AP Gov teacher is also named Eric. So like people that are named Eric in my life, just like, I guess are like a very like special people. You're very special. That's a special name. You're going to name your first kid, Eric. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just, and they're spelled the same way too, which is hilarious. Um, But I remember him being like, I walked into his office like the day after she had moved out and like he knew what was going on. Like he and I got very close and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm great. And he was like, what do you like? No, like you're not great. Like, and I was like, yeah, I'm amazing. Like things are great. Like she moved out. We're good. And he was like, do you need, like, please call me, please text me if you need anything. Like, and mind you, I, I, I did end up having a nervous breakdown and he was there for me. And like a lot of the people at that time in the building, like did end up knowing that a lot was happening in my personal life. Classmates didn't believe me. Classmates weren't there for me, but the faculty was. And that was why, again, I'm grateful that I went to the school that I did. And I'm friends with him and another professor that I get happy hour like what calls once a month. I had my call with her for December on Monday. And that's how I got reconnected to the dean of the other law school. And I just, I love the community that I built for myself there through the fire and like literally trial by fire, but it worked. And that's literally what law school is. Um, but while it was, that whole thing was happening, I went to Boston and to visit a friend who I'm not no longer friends with. And that's a whole nother story, but I went to visit her. And while I was there, it was like a trend on Instagram. It said like, ask your audience what your like future career should be like, what you think I would be good at. And everybody, like I got multiple times CEO and motivational speaker. And turns out I do both of those things three years later. Like I am literally a CEO and I have a podcast. I'm on podcasts and I am, I mentor a lot of people. Like I am a motivational speaker. So many people over the years have told me I should write a book one day and maybe I will, maybe I won't. My podcast is kind of like a diary. It's just audio. 
And But I genuinely love mentorship and it's something I think it is what my calling truly is, not necessarily to be a practicing attorney. I want to do that as long as I possibly can because I do enjoy it. But like it's the mentorship, the education, the teaching people, the supporting people in a way that I didn't have. And they say like it takes a village to raise a child. It does. You know, you, it takes a village to do anything. You can't do it alone. If you want to go far, like if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Like you need people to support you. You need the mentors above you to guide you and support you and teach you and give you the path. And then you make your own. And then you need the people younger than you to mentor them. So you get to see how far you've come along the way. And you, you, as you go teaching that, like you tell them, you learn from mistakes you didn't even really know you had, or they bring up new insights. And now being in that middle where I have both is like a really cool place to be. And I don't know how I'm going to do more with that. And you and I have talked about that, like, and Lisa Blosser and I have talked about this too. Like, I want to do a lot more with that mentorship component and make it another business. Maybe, I don't know. My boyfriend's like, you can't keep giving out free advice because it's an energy exchange and like you're dead at the end of the day. But I genuinely love it, but I also love the work that I do and helping entrepreneurs and content creators know that they can get paid and all these things and like help them protect their brands. And going back to what my dad always said about building a brand, it came full circle. Like I was building a personal brand since I was 16 years old and now I help people protect their personal brands. And I am a personal brand. And the first thing I ever said to my boyfriend the day I met him was, I won't take your last name because everybody knows me as Kayla Moran and like, that's my brand. And he was like, okay, like, I guess that's, I, I lost that battle already. Cool. Literally the first thing I ever that said. hysterical. No, that I'm an amateur, but it's a good time. Well, I really do think that we create um, what we didn't have and what we, we needed in, in the early stages of our career. And so I see so many parallels in, what the work that you're doing and where you want to go with the community that I've created. It was created out of a very similar space. And I think that, you know, mentoring these lawyers, how we're doing, yeah, maybe like you give out free advice or whatever. I, I don't view it like that. I view this profession and women, especially in this profession, have been playing by themselves for so long, they've had nowhere to go. And so to me, to be able to be a safe space for them to come and resonate, to know that they are not crazy, that there is nothing wrong with them, and that there is a different and better way, and that together, we can actually, you can actually create a life that you love and a career that feels good. You know, like that is, that's what we're doing. That That's, that's, that's what we're doing. And I don't care how many free converse, quote unquote, free conversations I have to have to let as many women that I know and I can impact in my sphere that with that knowledge, like yeah. the women are meant to hear from us. They've waited, they've been waiting for us to show up girl, you know, like, yeah. and so we just have to keep sharing. Absolutely. And there's a quote, Lauren Bostick, the skinny confidential. I'm sure people who listen to this know who she is she always said this with like, she used to be a bartender at like a really fancy bar in San Diego when she was just starting out the skinny confidential back when it was originally just a blog. And this was like 13 years ago and she had like high net worth clients. And like, so she like wanted to present this idea, like this like really cool idea she had for like a community for women about wellness and beauty and fashion and like mental health and like all this stuff to this guy who could potentially maybe help her get endorsed, like make it a bigger thing, right? That was her like 
whole idea of like going to this client, like this customer of hers and be like, I have three quotes. And he was like, you're crazy. And she always says like, if someone thinks you're crazy, you're onto something. Yeah. And you were always like, if you were onto something, if someone thinks you're crazy because you're on something, it you're going to get told no. And you're going to be told that like, yeah, okay, good luck with that. Like, don't focus on those. It's really, really easy to, but you have to be honest with yourself and trust yourself. And that's something that I'm, I really am learning this year. I learned to trust myself. That was something that I learned this year. I had to get really comfortable with not being comfortable. And I had been for a really long time, but it wasn't really until this year, where all of those things just unlocked for me. But like, you can't let the the noise win. Like they're not paying your bills. They are not you. You do not know what's going on in their life. They don't know what's going on in yours. And if you want something badly enough, go for it. And if it doesn't make you money, okay, not everything has to be a job. Not everything has to be a side hustle or make you money. Some things can just be for fun like this, like the podcast, like the mentorship, the community. That is, I do it because I love it. And it gives me something that my career, my day, my quote unquote day job actually makes me money to live, cannot give me. Travel is another thing eating good food and like experiencing new cultures. Like that is something that like money can't buy. Not everything is about money. I think health and time is more important than money. And like you, I like, I invest my money into things that are going to give me more time to do the things I want to do. And I mean, delegation and like, you know, building a team and having resources and people around me to help me get where I want to go. Again, if you want to go far, Like you need people, like you need people to help you get there. So don't listen to the noise. And like, it's really, I got bogged down by that for so long. And also another thing that my dance teacher, I was 15, 16 years old. And she told me this. And at the time I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. But now I'm like, that's the greatest piece of advice. And I tell this to a lot of people is don't be a space filler. Like she meant like, don't like in the, when you're like in like, you know, like spaced out in your like formation, like take up space, finish the movement like take up the box that you're in. So people see you, you want, if there's like eight girls on stage, you want their, your focus, their focus to be on you. So you need to finish the movement and take up space. And it's same thing for life. Like if you're going to do something, do it full out, like go all, go all in and take up space and make noise. And like, it'll drown out everybody else's noise and you're, the focus will all be on you and then it'll be worth it. And also you have to decide what's worth it to you. Like, again, it's, if your is your goal to be a billionaire or is your goal to be happy? Is your goal to have a life that you can't wait to, like, you don't want to run from, like, that you can't wait to come home to and, like, you have something to share it with or is it to make, to partner at a law firm? And I remember seeing the writing on the wall, looking at the people in those firms and being like, I don't want that life. Like, I want to be happy. I want to travel and I want to have a family and I want to be involved in my community and charity galas. Yeah, I love getting dressed up and, like, you know, it's fun to be a socialite, but like, because I genuinely care about the causes and I want to help people and I love mentorship and I love children and supporting people and education and like being a teacher, I enjoy those things. You know, how can I do that and also make money to live? I can be a lawyer and being a lawyer is going to allow me to do all those things. So that's why I stayed in law school. And that, again, that question of like, where do I want to be in 10 years? Like, that's what it was for me. It's like, I looked at my life at 33 and I was like, I want a family. And I want to travel and I want my kids to see the world because I got to see that world as a kid. And it allowed me to really, it it shaped my worldview and like having access to people and opportunities. I want to give my kids that. And in order to do that, I need a money, a job that makes a lot of money, but it's not 
like being a lawyer isn't just a job, it's a lifestyle. So you get to decide what that lifestyle looks like for you. Amen. There have been so many great nuggets in this conversation. Like I cannot wait for our listeners to just, I mean, I hope you guys have been taking notes because (laughs) this has been such an impactful podcast. Kayla, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Yeah. So you can find me at Kayla Moran on everything, TikTok, Instagram, my blog, LinkedIn. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. That's like, if you want to know somebody in my network, LinkedIn's the place to be. Um, And I don't post nearly as much as I should on there, but I'm always on it. So I love LinkedIn. Um, But yeah, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. My podcast is the Let's Get Candid podcast. My blog, kaylamoranblog.com. My law firm is Kayla Moran Law. My influencer management company is Connect to Social. Yeah. Go freaking follow this powerhouse and see and just follow her. Like she's freaking doing her thing and showing up in this life. And I'm just excited to know her. Um, But before we let her go, we're going to tell a funny story. (laughs) So what is a fun Legally Blonde moment that you would love to share with our listeners? So I took a law, a class in law school, my 3L year, Images of the Law. And the whole point of the class was to discuss movies and TV shows that either impacted the legal profession, like Boston Law and LA Law, and like when Cravath in the 90s changed the market scale and everybody followed suit because one of Do we get a few good men in there? Yes. <laughs> we get a lot in class, but it's a great movie. Um, okay. So I have two stories. The other one's not funny, but this is, I mean, I don't know if this is funny, but like, it just makes me smile. Um, so we watched Legally Blonde was one of those movies and we had to write at the end of, so nobody in our class believed that we had to write a paper at the end of the class. We thought it was like three LOL, like we're just watching movies and like going to the bar the following week and discussing it. Like, and our teachers literally bought us a drink. So like, screw it. Like, this is fun. And then like the week before the papers, everybody's like, so they're like, no, no, you guys like actually have to write a paper. And we're like, oh, <laughs> like nobody actually thought it was real. So I was like, fuck, how am I going to write a paper and also like study for finals? And like, what is this paper going to be on? And I was also writing my like big paper too at the same time. So like, I was just like, what am I going to do? So the day that we watched Legally Blonde was the day we were taking our composite photos. So I like had full makeup, hair, lashes, the whole nine in class. And that composite hangs on the law school walls forever. Like anybody who ever walks into that building could see that picture and they will know that I went there. The University of Tennessee College of Law, by the way. And I cried that day, like while watching Legally Blonde. And the fact that Legally Blonde made me cry. But I just, I realized there are so many nuggets in that movie. And I was bawling my eyes out because again, a year prior, I didn't think I was going to be there. I didn't think I was going to graduate. I didn't think I was going to be alive. And I remember the dark moment, but I'll get to the funny part. So (laughs) I remember telling my friends and my my family, but also my faculty and my dean at the time, he graduated with my class, but the dean at the time, do you want a daughter or do you want a lawyer? Because if you want a daughter, and I said those words to my dean, because like he's like grandpa, like he viewed us as like his kids. And I was like, if you want a daughter, don't worry about my grades. I'm just going to get by. I'm going to do what I need to do to graduate. My goal is to graduate with a 3.0. If you want a lawyer, I won't be, I won't walk across that stage. I won't make it. If I'm focusing on being number one, I'm not going to be here in a year and a half to walk across that stage in May, 2022. 
I graduated with a 3.01 and I was the only graduate that he hugged when I walked across that stage. And so I did it. I, I got to my goal and it doesn't matter. I was number 107 out of 120 in my class. Literally does not matter. All that to say, watching that movie made me cry that day in class. And my teachers are like, they're friends of mine. They're like, why are you fucking crying? <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, you're like, Elle Woods, you don't cry with Elle no, Woods. And like, what like, is happening? And they're like, something is seriously wrong with this girl. Also, like, this class was mostly men. So they're like, it's also interesting. Uh, you would think it would be more women. No, in the, like, and I, the, so in, also I took Law of Distilled Spirits with the same teacher. And the following three LOL, three LOL summer, like semester, my spring semester. And that class was, I was one of two or three girls. Because we're going to distilleries and drinking whiskey or beer mostly. But we're learning about like the regulations and like regulatory stuff about like We did not do anything that fun. Laws mm-hmm. and food and beverage law and whatever. Anyway, besides the point. So I told them that day, I was like, I'm going to write my paper on Elle Woods and Legally Blonde. They're like, okay, sure. <laughs> And my dad was like, that's the best damn paper you've ever written in your entire life. And it's on my blog. It's called Unapologetically Pink. Go look it up. It's a great paper. But the point was, the reason why it impacts me so much was Elle Woods went to law school. She went to Harvard for a boy, right? That was the original purpose. But what did she leave law school with? She figured out who she was and that she didn't have to change who she was to be successful in law school. She could be herself. She could love fashion and beauty and hair and makeup and pink and be like frilly and girly and like Malibu Barbie and be valedictorian and class elected speaker. And what did Warner get? Nothing. She got Vivian though. So like, it was like the whole thing of like, you could go into law school for one thing and you could come out with so much more. So allow law school to really, again, it's, it's a, it's a lifestyle. You are, when you walk into law school on day one, you are walking into a lifestyle and a profession that is day one of your legal career. What you do in law school, people will remember you for. And that's scary, right? And I, there's a lot of moments of law school that I, I wish people didn't know or remember, or I hope they don't. And thankfully, I practice in a different state. So like maybe people will never know. But all that to say, like it's your reputation. You start building your reputation and you get to allow it to change. You allow it to evolve and like it shapes who you are. And like, but you can also shape it. Like you do not have to lose yourself. Elwood's never lost herself to become what she ends up becoming. And that is why she is such an impactful icon 25 years later, 20 years later, whatever it is. And so that's why I cried. And so that's why my dad was like, that's the best paper you've ever written. And my teachers loved it. They were like, they, I mean, they knew that like something good was going to come out of it because they had seen my struggles and they knew. But they're like, I can't believe like you actually like took something like impactful like that out of this movie. But it's also one of the only movies at that time that passed the Blechdel test. And it's still one of the only movies that passes that. And for people who don't know, it's when women are talking for more than I forget how many minutes about not about boys. Like, can women talk like in movies? Inevitably, it always comes up about boys. And it's like one of the only movies where they don't talk about boys with each other. Like her and Vivian have that whole scene where it's like they become friends and like you could like and it's not about Warner, even though like they're supposed to hate each other. They end up being best friends. And so that's why that was so impactful. I forgot the other story that I was going to mention, but that's that was my funny story. No, I think I don't even care. That was a great legally blonde moment. I'm so glad that you wrote a paper about Elwood. She's my freaking hero. Like I love her. Like I feel the ex- exact same way about her, and I channel her like in my career now because 
I show up in pink and loud and I say like a lot and I move my hands and I, you know, I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm sure people say this to you all the time. You don't really seem like a lawyer. Like I get that all the time. I'm like, "Mm, whatever. But you know what I mean? I'm fine to be loud and pink. I'm fine to be that. It's funny. I don't like the color pink, but I, I'm, I'm Hispanic. I'm, you know, I'm loud. I'm, I talk with my hands too. I, you know, sometimes have a dirty mouth. I, I'm unapologetically who I am. And there's a saying in Spanish, si me gusta bien y si no también. If you like me, great. If you don't, great. And that is an effect. Like what you think of me means absolutely nothing to me. And that's how, like, that's why Elle Woods is so impactful. And like, I'm not going to change who I am to fit into a mold. I don't want to be put into a box. And Elle Woods didn't either. And so, yeah, I think, like the whole, my whole thing is like, why are you doing this? Like, you know, and who knows, maybe I won't practice law in a few years. I don't know what life looks like for me, but I, but you don't need to know right now. You You need need to know that. Yeah. You don't don't need need to know. know. You need to know what you want your life to look and feel like. And every single day, make sure that you're working towards that. And I'll leave you guys with this. Like if it seems like, like, if you look at my resume, if you look at everything I'm doing, you're like, okay, this bitch like is all over the map. Like what's going on here? But in my mind, I can put everything that I do on a red thread. Like the invisible string theory right now is really popular on TikTok of like how like partners met. I think of it for career too. Like everything that I do can fall on this like red thread. And if it can't be put onto this red thread, like even like a little bit, it doesn't fit into like my plan, my my, my goals. And so it's like, if, you know, it, it may seem like being a lawyer and a podcast host and an influencer manager and like all these things, they don't go together. But for me, they allow me to fill, fill my purpose. So you need to know what that purpose is to then build a plan for your life and get from point A to point B. So yeah, I mean, I'm happy to chat with anybody, whatever, but I mean, there's so much more I could say. Oh my gosh, we could go on and on. This has been such a next level conversation. Kayla, thank you so much for your time today, for sharing all of this brilliantness. And I am seriously just so grateful for you. You're a true powerhouse friend. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening into the Powerhouse Lawyers podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you catch your podcasts. If you loved this episode, I would be so honored if you left a review. And because I know you are the type of woman who wants to see other women win, Be sure to share this episode with someone who needs it. By sharing it, you are empowering a fellow sister in the law to know that she is not alone, that there is nothing wrong with her, and that she can build a life and career that she loves. Thank you. See you next week.